Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Swing high from ball, built to right center, and the Braves have won it! There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. A walk-off homer from Freeman, and the Braves win it! He is! Braves win! Braves win! Braves win! Ball. It's a walk-off! Acuna sends us home with a 5-4 victory! Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Braves Digital Media Content Manager, alongside Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. We're coming to you live from a beautiful day here at Truist Park. The Braves are on the road, kicking off a series. As we're recording this, they're kicking off a series in Philadelphia. By the time you're hearing this, they may have played a game or two of that series. But uh, coming off the heels of a good, uh, well, great series against the Dodgers this weekend, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're going to be... I think we're going to take this we're not really taking this show on the road but we're kind of taking it on the road in a miniature way here in the ballpark so we're we're not in our usual place in the alumni lounge uh that's that's let y'all in a little insider info here it's currently covered up with a lot of toys and stuff because that's where the players kids right now during this particular time are going and hanging out during the game it's kind of cool i hope i popped my head in there earlier because there's we're the only ones even in this part of the ballpark right now today just to see what it looked like and there's just there's just toys there's coloring books there's little <laughs> snacks it was kind of I, I i was grinning looking at it all the kids you can tell they're in there having a good time during game so in the meantime we're this is not a no, this is not too shabby of a relocation here we're in one of the suites and i'm looking we're looking directly out at the field and the chop house is off in the distance there so this doesn't suck i'll put no, it that way no, this, i'm all right place. with this yeah i'm kind of jealous that the alumni lounge didn't have coloring books and toys and all that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> might have to see if we can like uh partner up with them yeah i <laughs> there's worse ways to spend an afternoon doing some coloring yeah heck yeah i never could stay in the lines though that was always the art class and those i never did well on that coming coming along well speaking of uh, speaking of youth <laughs> our guest today young gabe i like to call him gabe burns uh writes about the braves cover the Braves for for the AJC uh, does a great job. Um, we talk about his youth and how he got here so young, and I alluded to this in the interview with him. But really, Gabe Gabe got to where he's at at this young age, and he's in his mid mid twenties now uh, because he's really good at what he does. Uh, he's likable, um, affable guy. Um, you know, he's not 
too high strung or anything pretty pretty calm uh but really talented and really good at what he does um and he's one of uh, he's one of the guys that I, I consider good friends up there in the press box on game day that I look forward to seeing. And uh, but that's just a personal thing. I mean, we're, we have him here because of the job that he does, and he does what he's he's really good at it. So this is your first time meeting him, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, always a little leery of you know reporters, but uh-huh. uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I had a good relationship with the reporters when I play. I didn't put my foot in my mouth too many times, and but uh, it is interesting. I think back all the beat writers that were here when I played in different cities and it's interesting that their personalities and just the job that they have to do I mean of course it was it seemed like it was more important back then because there wasn't Twitter and Instagram and some of these other ways to find out what the players were thinking you basically had to be interviewed by the beat writer and or an opinion piece guy and then then the fans would read that or or it was in a publication or something like that, Sports Illustrated. But now there's so many other ways to get your information. I'm just curious how, um, you know, talking with Gabe, how things are different or, or the same as back when I played. But uh, it's, it's good getting to know him and, and getting his insight on uh, on this current team and and uh, then just find out a little bit more about him as growing up and, and how he got to where he is. It's always fascinating to me. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's interesting. When, well, I'll, I'll let you all hear it in the interview. We'll let you hear it. But what, what he originally went to college to do, to, to pursue as a career, uh, it, was, it was not sports writing. I'll tell you that. It was something very different, <laughs> which I think it's kind of uh, kind of cool. We'll save that for, for the interview. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, he's – it's, it's. I was thinking about this, and we didn't really even get into this too much. He's not new on the job because his he interned in 2017, I think. So he's been and he's been on the full time beat for a few seasons now. Um, but what a what a weird or interesting last year plus mm-hmm. to be trying to do this to all these guys really. <laughs> That's been another extra layer for everybody involved, the the reporters, to where it's all been over Zoom or virtual, and they're just now starting to get to the point where, you know, maybe some things will be able to be done in person here soon. I don't know. That's that's. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. I don't think we'll be. This is and again, this is me. I have zero inside information on this. Just my personal thoughts on it. I'd be surprised if we're not. I think next year, 2022 season is when everything will return Hmm. back to complete normal as far as how we we consume our player interviews or how like the fans we consume and how these are conducted where it's all just back in person again. I'd I'd be shocked if everything went back to normal at some point this year. Um, But anyways, it's been interesting to me to see these guys. It's been a different thing for them to have to get adjusted to trying to interview somebody over zoom heck you and i have had to adjust to it here on this yeah. show well you know? so, so many times these guys are they're in the locker room for such a long period of time that they want to sit down and have a conversation with this guy or that guy and that's just that dynamic is difficult over zoom and and I could see where um, there's a lot lost, you know, over the past. Of course, we all know that we've all suffered loss from the standpoint of our jobs and and the way we interact with people. But for them, so much of it's relational and and spending some time with these guys and coaches uh, while they are preparing for the game. There's always that period of time where they can sit down and talk, and they just lost that. So um, I, I'm I haven't studied it enough to know if there was a big difference in what was written about the team, but I know that had to affect them. 
Yeah. I think about even in terms of how we've done behind the Braves during this time. Um, I don't know why this one is, is sticking out to me, but when we had uh, Michael Kelly, you know, famous actor, mm-hmm. big Braves fan on, I remember that that was, of course, I think he's still, I think he calls New York home most of the year, even mm-hmm. though he's proud to be uh, from Atlanta and Georgia. That, even though it was over Zoom, it still felt like we were hanging out, chatting, and it was great, mm-hmm. and it felt it felt personal and all that, but I still remember thinking like, man, it would be even that much better if we were doing this in person, because I think the interview went as well as, as it would have ever had we been mm. in person. But what I kept thinking about was like, I bet we'd have had some fun conversation after we were done hit, hit like hit the stop button, just, just <laughs> yeah. chit chatting. Right. You know? That's a, that's where I wonder, because that's part of, and this isn't just exclusive to sports. This is whatever type of business you're sure. in or whatever. I think that that's kind of how you start to build some of those relationships a little bit. And you, strengthen that foundation and you gain a little bit more trust is when just the when the mics are off or there's there's you're just hanging out yeah. like we're doing here and, and on, on hey, the couch how, how did we not get joe jonas or sophie turner on here this past weekend well i mean they were here andy garcia and gloria stefan well here. i saw them yeah. they were in the suite next to me and um for alumni sunday but you know Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner would have been pretty cool. Oh, I mean, aren't they Dodgers fans? Oh yeah, that's see, right. that's why. That's right. Yeah, and there's like, um, you know what? I forgot. Atlanta has that whole Hollywood connection with all the yeah. films that are done here, and they just came out because we didn't want them on there. Anyway. There you go. See, yeah, I don't, I don't want any fake. Just like when Alex Rodriguez and J Lo were here, I, I didn't want to have anything. I didn't want them on there because they had been talking uh-huh. about the Yankees and all this stuff. I'm, I'm not into that. I respect that. I'm going to be honest. behind the Braves. It's not behind the Dodgers or behind baseball. I'm with you, but uh, I still want to hang out with J-Lo. <laughs> well, now we got to call Ben Affleck yeah. if we want to do that. Yeah. We gotta, maybe he's doing a movie here. In, he might in be. I think, they, I think Ben Affleck and J-Lo bought a place in Georgia back when they were first an item years ago. And they I kept it. Right. I don't know if they kept it. They probably didn't keep it. What do I know? Yeah. Well, you got to be up on the, I mean, you're the digital media guy. You got to be, you're monitoring Twitter and all this. You got to know who's here. Yeah. And we got to get these people, even if it's just to say hi, you know, yeah, we got to tell right. them. Well, I, well I maybe saw we should ask them, why are you here first? Yeah. I saw that they were here, but I just thought, well, they're, they're Dodgers fans, you know. So, uh, well, I mean, Sophie Turner, she's English, isn't she? She's from over the over the pond. Yeah, she well, can't be a Dodgers fan. No, it's just her boyfriend is. Or are they married? Well, I'm not up on the latest uh, you, I think Hollywood you know insider. More about I'll be honest. We start talking about J Lo, and that's uh, my mind. <laughs> You're just, confused. I stop, stop there. I just stop there. Well, yeah. I know she's not a Braves fan. Yeah, doesn't matter to me. <laughs> this is a bad time to mention I just got engaged. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You, you didn't tell tell anybody that. Yeah, I, I did. I, 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 this, she knows. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, this isn't all about uh, – this, obviously, this this is about behind the Braves, but just the – Well, you are behind the Braves, so we need to know about your, your – Yeah. Uh, well, I did. Love listen, life. I, I brought it up here. I'm bringing it up here because I did get engaged here at the ballpark mm. uh, on the off. I saw day. the picture. It was really good. So I'm I'm a lucky guy. She uh, said yes. That's a bonus. She did. That that could have gone. That was a 50-50 <laughs> proposition. So I'm uh, very lucky. Uh, Laura's a, a great person. I'm I'm really lucky she's in my life. But I bring it up here because uh, she is a huge Braves fan, and I felt it, and I and I surprised her. She had no idea it was coming. But we uh, we did it here at. The, 
at Truist Park yeah. uh, on an off day. So it was just pretty much just us and a few groundskeepers out there cutting nice. the grass. But just us in the ballpark. So really you didn't excited. add in season tickets or anything? No, no. Well, you yeah. are living here and yeah, you're living here in the Battery. I mean, if she wants to come to a game, I'll get her. I'll, I'll hook okay. her up. It's fine. You, you it's get, not a problem. You get tickets, right? Yeah, I get a couple tickets yeah. now. Now that I'm a Braves employee. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You know what's you know what's funny is well, not funny, but when you and I started this show, I was still I was still a bachelor, single man, and I was months away from even meeting her. And we've been doing this show long enough that she and I have been together a couple years now, and uh, now we're going to get married. It's crazy. You may name your first kid after me. After you. <laughs> Meet Harry Mast. <laughs> Harry McMichael Mast. There he is. It, Harry can be his middle name. <laughs> well, I'll I'll run it up flagpole. Hey, if we'll it's see. good enough for Prince Harry, it could be good enough oh, for your okay. yeah. middle name for your child. Well, I'll I'll run it up the flagpole and we'll see. We'll see what uh what comes back. I'll go for like a lid balloon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, on that note, I did want I did want to uh, just mention that 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 there was the baseball tie-in because we uh, it happened here at the ballpark, and I'm thrilled about it. So, uh, yeah, but uh, we're def- definitely thrilled to have young Gabe Burns with us. Uh, I think we're going to have him on again in the future. Does a great job. If you don't follow him, check him out on Twitter. Uh, I believe Gabe Burns AJC. I believe that's his hand off the top of my head. And uh, yeah, check out his great work on the AJC. So, without further ado, here. He is Gabe Burns. Well, I think we've now this will be finally completing the uh, my my inner circle in the press box, mm. Greg, uh, on on game days here at Truist Park. We had Bo, we had Kevin McAlpin, and now pleased to welcome Young. Are we still calling you Young Gabe? Gabriel Burns. Gabe Burns. We've we've over the first couple of years you were around the press box. We we talked referred to you as Young Gabe. I feel like that's starting to fade, though it shouldn't because you're still Young Gabe. But uh, we're glad to have you on. <laughs> Appreciate y'all having me. You must be uh, running really low on guests. We are. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We heard you had all the inside scoops on the team, so sure. we don't we don't get them. <laughs> we don't have the tier access, so we don't get that scoop. So we got to bring in some people that might have it where we can find out. That's right. Well, Gabe, we wanted to talk to you first just because, I mean, we tease you about being young Gabe, but I think one of the the most impressive things about you is how young you were able to, how young you are to get to ascend to a position like this, to get the the beat of a a big league team, a pro team. Uh, I think that speaks to you and and the fact and your abilities and, and how good of a writer you are and how good you are at your job. But I did want to get into or start with how you got here. Like what, uh, you and I have talked about this just chit-chatting in the press box, but what you went to school for and and what you ended up changing to and how you ended up here. So we'll start at the beginning. You're from good old Valdosta, right? Yeah. Okay. So where did you go to school? Uh, so I went to Valdosta State University. We're not going back before college, are we? No, we didn't go back that far. No. I don't know. I was expecting you were the home of Buck Baloo. I mean, there was some yeah, like yeah. famous high school down there yeah. that Buck went to. It, yeah, yeah, Valdosta High. I, my there sister we went there. I went to Lowndes High, though. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was nice to have another uh, have another Valdosta person in the Atlanta media here. I think there's a whole two of us now, <laughs> if I have that correct. Um, yeah, so I went to Valdosta State, and... 
I was a saxophonist, so my first uh, major was music performance. And I was a saxophonist in a rock band, and we, we played all around and everything. And I pretty much spent like my whole life preparing to be a professional saxophonist. <laughs> so um, I ended up, I wasn't in there long. I spent like a semester in there, and then I became kind of undecided because I, I realized I kind of liked playing it to the side for fun more than I did, you know, wanting to pursue a whole life of it. So then I'm kind of debating about what I want to do. And like my mom is in psychology. So that kind of interests me and everything. So I, I'm, I had, I had nothing figured out and I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm whatever, 20 years old, 19 years old, however you old, how old you are as a freshman or sophomore or whatever. And eventually like, um, I kind of just got into writing sports. I just knew a couple people. I kind of had interest in like just writing different sports. Like I started with the NFL. So I was doing some of that, just blogging, you know, like not any big sites or access or anything like that. But so I got into that and then I was like, you know, maybe because I had people telling me like, why don't you write about sports? Like you're a good writer. And people always told me that. And so I emailed my professor, my future professor at uh, Valdosta State, and it kind of all just clicked from there. Like, I, I kind of finally found my groove, like the accelerator was plugged in, and it just kind of took off from there. And I was, I was really fortunate that I had two really good advisors. I mean, a lot of people here went to Grady, um, UGA's journalism school, and, and some bigger schools, but it really helped me to be at a small place. A lot of hands-on experience, learning, learning that way, and... I mean, that just did a ton for me. And obviously, I already I always had a love of sports. I mean, I grew up a huge baseball fan, huge Braves fan here in the South. And so, uh, you know, I was kind of figuring out, like, my last year of college, I had applied to an internship at the AJC, and I was rejected. <laughs> and I got a call a few months later that the guy that they took uh, – I got a job somewhere else and there was an opening so I wasn't even their first choice <laughs> so it it, ju it does just go to show you you know I became an intern and you know I just right place right time I, I, I worked really hard and I'm really blessed a lot of things you know really helped me out there too it, it just goes to show you don't have to have everything figured out and there's mm -hmm. there's not really a conventional path to getting where you want to go so I made plenty of mistakes along the way but I'm mm -hmm. pretty happy to be here now what uh, I have to ask what was the name of the band you were in Chasing Cabs Chasing Cabs okay yeah, yeah. We were mostly a cover band, but we started doing some originals, and we, I was in there for, I uh, started my senior year of high school, and I, I guess I was in there for about four or five years. Hmm. Were you like, so you were the sax player, what kind of, was it kind of like a Dave Matthews band kind of style, or is it something, what, how would you it describe all it? all of it. I was all. We said cover bands. I guess yeah, it was yeah. All so of it. we would we would Foreigner, do all of it. And play it, everything. We played everything. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't play on every song, obviously, because you can only fit sax on so many. Like there's sometimes you're just, they're playing stuff, and it's like yeah, the sax doesn't really go here. Right. So I would just you know go into the crowd and you know dance or mingle with people and all that kind of stuff. But it, it was. I mean, it was a ton of fun. And you know, once I got into the journalism thing, I just didn't have time for it anymore because you mm -hmm. know you start out you're covering. I was doing local freelance stuff, you know, for the paper, and I'm spending my, you know, Friday nights at a football field or baseball mm -hmm. field in rural Georgia somewhere, and it's not, you know, it's not playing shows anymore, so you only have time for so much, but it worked out. Right. That's great. So, uh, one question I had, had for you a little bit, when you think about some of your predecessors, which when I was playing, you know, you had I.J. Rosenberg and some of these guys, did you ever get a chance to talk to, I mean, you know, Terrence? Uh, Moore has been around a long time and, you know, it's kind of legendary here in Atlanta and as far as his writing. And, uh, you know, I think of, um, you know, uh, Furman Bishop, 
you know, and, and guys like that. Did you ever get a chance to meet any of them or talk to any of them about what the job might entail or um, just, you know, because it's, it's a little different, you know, covering high school football on a Friday night and then all of a sudden you're in a, in a big league locker room and you got to deal with these guys that, you know, they got some pretty big egos, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you got to ask yeah. them some tough questions. Did, uh, did you have anybody you could bounce uh, some, get some experience off of? Yeah, so I was really fortunate in that when I came to the AJC, you know, I – I just kind of hit it off with David O'Brien, who was obviously our beat writer at the time and, you know, has been covering the Braves since the dawn of time now. Um, <laughs> he and so, Bo. Yeah, yeah, he, he and Bo both. I mean, those were two of the first guys I followed on Twitter, you know, when I first got an account yeah. in high school and everything. So it's been it's been really cool. Both of them have been so helpful and so welcoming mm, from the day I got here. And, and Dave was just a huge help. Um, you know, it was, it was awesome being able to learn from him and just kind of, you know, just kind of be the understudy of someone who's who's done this for you know god knows how long and that's the biggest thing like there's only so much even in bigger schools i mean there's only so much you can learn in school there's only so much you can learn in a classroom i mean even in regards to professional sports there's only so much you can learn just covering Mm. college sports it's an entirely different world and baseball especially is um it's just such a grind every single day um, the way that the way that things go, you know, the, just having the open clubhouse, um, mm-hmm. obviously before the pandemic, we haven't gotten back in there. But uh, it's just it's an entire it's an entire different world. But the crazy thing is, it's kind of most of what I've known because, you know, I, I've been here now, I think, longer than I was a journalism student in college. So I've kind of just, you know, it's 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 just what I know now. So it feels mm-hmm. really weird. Like, I guess I'm desensitized toward, you know, just the level and what it is. But mm-hmm. um that's probably a good thing. Well, there's some psychology to it, right? So this mm-hmm. is cat, cat and mouse game. We're taught to keep your keep your guard up, you know, keep it keep it simple, keep it bland, keep it uh, where you don't get yourself in trouble because we know that obviously saying something stupid sells, right? So mm-hmm. every reporter's dream is to have this guy just say something dumb and you get to run with the story for the next, you know, six months for him, yeah. you know, going after another teammate or going after like i mean bauer's got to be just one of the best guys to cover because you can probably get him to say anything you want and he probably doesn't care and so you can you know how to bait him but uh but you know somebody was asking me the other day what's the difference between a guy like schultz and and yourself and i said well you know gabe's got to be there talking with these guys every day he's got to have a relationship or he's not going to go very well. Schultz can go right and say whatever he wants and not have to face anybody and, and not have to worry about that. He can just tell his opinion. And, um, but you know, you, you've got a little different role because you've got to be able to have these guys open up and talk a little bit more. And it's, it's, uh, it's a relationship. Like you said, it's, it's every day, day in and day out to where Mm -hmm. you can get to know these guys. Would you agree with that? Or yeah, no, there's so many different intricacies of journalism like just based on different roles. I mean, Mark Bradley's been doing his job Mm -hmm. forever. Schultz has done his job forever and their jobs are way different from my job or Bowman's job or, or, you know, anyone like that. It's just, it's just different, different roles, different, what you're looking for, what you're trying to do. And, and I will say too, like, I couldn't, I've said this before to a lot of people, like I couldn't have asked like for a young person, I guess I was 23 when I first started at the AJC and I was, you know, kind of learning on on the go and learning under Dave and figuring things out. I couldn't have asked for a better organization. Like, it does help that I know the history of the team and I, I, you know, I grew up a fan and so obviously that background helps you a ton, but just the people, 
Um, you know, just everyone, everyone kind of says this about the Braves organization, but just the people from SNIT to the players, I mean, they just, they just treat you well. And I, there's a lot to that. I mean, I know it's not that way everywhere. I haven't experienced it, obviously. This is my main experience. Mm. Um, so, but, but that's been just so helpful for me. When, and you've talked about, you've mentioned a couple of times growing up a, a Braves fan. I know for me, growing up a Braves fan, it's I can still get to be a fan in what I do for the team. But it does change a little bit of things like that fan, the, the being the pureness of being a fan kind of goes away and it changes a little bit when you're actually working directly for the team. And I wonder, I got to think being a journalist who's covering a team, you grew up a fan of the team, but I feel like you you know your job is to be fair and give your, I mean, call it like you see it and I think you do that was there any I don't feel like it was just from watching I don't feel like it was tough but was it tough or was it at all awkward kind of having to put that fan part away and just become a, a person who covers the team yeah um you know I was I was kind of lucky in the way that things worked out because when I was in college um I was just so busy with stuff that I, you know, I came, I became a little more detached from watching the Braves every single day, whereas growing up, I was watching them every single day. And, you know, my last year and a half or so in college, like I got connected with a guy who ran a Dodgers blog. And so I was writing some at a Dodgers blog. And, you know, it's kind of funny to be doing that from across the country and everything, but I'm a college kid just trying to get experience any way I can get it, right? And so um, that was a really good opportunity and I met a lot of really great people there. And so, you know, I'm, I'm doing that and that separates you a little more from the Braves. So really by the time I got here, um, I mean, you grow up a fan, you know, that that's your team growing up. But by the time I got here, it was like I had already kind of been programmed to separate it. So I was fortunate um, in that maybe that transition wasn't as big for me, especially being as young as I was. That transition wasn't as big for me as it would be for a lot of people, but it, it worked out. Yeah, I remember Bowman and I were, um, this was a couple years ago after a game, he and I went and got uh, dinner somewhere here in the battery and a fan came up recognized Bo and just and was talking to him about the team and everything was asking him stuff about rooting for this guy and rooting for that guy and they asked him like how much he kind of kind of talking to Bo as if he was a fan too and the guy asked him something guy asked Bo something about uh, you know what it's like being a fan of the team or whatever and Bowman kind of said well that's that's once you do this job for a living, like that, that fan part of it just goes away. It just does. He goes, doesn't mean you don't love showing up here every day because you do, uh, and you love doing the job. But that that fan part of it, that's just kind of that's gone, and that's just part of it. Um, so, what was your first, or did you have a first kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, welcome to the big leagues moment, or interview, or something like that, where? Because I, I, my team that I work with, we all go back to a horrible, horrible tweet that I sent from the team account. <laughs> and horrible and not an offensive. Well, offensive to comedy probably just because it was such a crap, just a bad joke. Not offensive, just really lame. Uh, and so that was six years ago, and I still get reminded of that tweet. That's how bad it was. And that was day one. So that was kind of my welcome to the, the team moment. Did you kind of have a – did you ever have a moment like that on this job? Uh, there's been plenty of learning, uh, I guess, growing pains and just learning experiences, I guess is the way you would word it. Um, particularly, I guess I would say there's there was, you know, when I was an intern, I, I'm in a big league clubhouse. And it's like I wasn't totally 
decent. It takes you probably about two weeks, maybe not even that before you're just, it's normal, right? And you're not like, wow, Freddie Freeman is right here, which is, you know, your reaction your first day. It's like, oh my gosh, like Dansby Swanson's right here or, or whoever. So um, I had one player who's no longer here uh, just simply declined to interview with me. And I, and I was like, wow, you know, and it wasn't like me. It wasn't a personal thing. The guy just didn't want to do an interview. He's no longer here. But um, that was kind of an eye-opening thing for me because, again, like you're covering – when you're covering college and high school stuff, you know, everyone's doing interviews, you know, you're not, <laughs> you're not, you're not a millionaire who's established and has awards and different stuff like that. So, um, that was, that, I guess that was, that was so early on. Um, I really wouldn't think anything of it now, to be honest, but early on when I'm trying to get things figured out to have a, mm. to have a major league or just be like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. th- that kind of, that kind of hits you different. And, you know, it was weird at first, you know, just talking to guys when they're struggling, you know, talking to a reliever when he's, you know, had three out of four outings have gone poorly, you know, stuff or, or mm-hmm. going or approaching a starter, um, you know, two days after he got roughed up or a guy in a slump when you walk up to a guy in the clubhouse and it's like, hey, can I talk to you about this? And you're thinking, eh, you know, he's on a, you know, two for 40 stretch here and I'm writing a story about it. So I guess that stuff at the beginning, like, it's a little different when you first start out. Now, obviously, it's you kind of know what to do. You kind of know how you know better how to approach people after you've done this for a while. But just stuff like that, I think, just being in there, seeing things, learning. Um, my first road trip I covered actually was the trip in Cincinnati when Acuna got called up. Mm-hmm. That was the ve- and I had actually written several stories about him in AAA because I've been going to Gwinnett, and so I happened to be in Cincinnati. And the first day there, I could not figure out how to get in. <laughs> I could not find the media gate. And I was on the phone with Bo. And Bo, who's always been very, who was always very helpful to me, he was kind of misleading me a little bit. Uh, he, he wouldn't really tell me how to get in. So I yeah. probably spent a good 20 to 30 minutes walking yeah. around a great American ballpark trying yeah. to get in. So that, that was quite a learning experience. Well, too. that would be your hazing, right? Your yeah, a little hazing. bit. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my first year when I moved down here and took this job. Uh, a Sunday day game and I had only been here a couple weeks and so I was just loving like new job new city like going out every night after the game and so I'd gone out the Saturday night before and I stayed out a little too late let's say and I was feeling not too great when I got to the ballpark Sunday and I was just sitting there in my my seat with my head down in my hands and just like sweating and just (laughs) not sweating coca-cola or water either like just not feeling great and Bowman kind of sees me, looks at me, and he goes, what'd you do last night? And I was like, oh, I went out to the bars a little late. And he just kind of chuckles, and he goes, welcome to the show, rookie. And, turn, <laughs> and turns around and walks away. So, yeah, I guess once you get that little initial hazing from Bo and the guys, that means That's you're, good. you're yeah. in. Yeah. What's the, what's the most fun part of your job? What, what do you enjoy most about getting to cover a big league team? I guess it would be too simple to say you get paid to watch sports. No, it's not. It, that never gets old. I, I, I guess, no. I mean, it is kind of, we don't think about it, but it is kind of crazy. You're paid to tweet about sports. Yeah. I'm paid to go out to the ballpark and watch a game mm-hmm. and people are, you know, like last year I was in Texas for the NLCS and I'm, and I'm sitting here and I'm watching the Braves, you know, they're 
12 outs away from the World Series. Sorry to bring that up on here, but, you know, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're hey. right on the cusp of it. And I'm sitting here like, you know, I'm paid to be here, right? Um, so that stuff, I mean, I don't care how long you've done this. I mean, that is a really, I mean, that's a blessing. That I mean, that's just really cool, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That, you know, if you love sports and you've spent your life watching it and loving it and everything to be here and to be covering it and to just be around players and just interact with guys and just see the behind the scenes and to travel, you know, I've, I just feel like I've grown up so much. And I mean, obviously you grow up a lot in your mid twenties anyway, but to really just be experiencing, you know, going on a road trip to San Diego and LA and going on a trip to Chicago and Milwaukee and Pittsburgh, right? Uh, spending a lot of time, you know, my best friend lives in Brooklyn, so I always really like the New York trip so I can mm-hmm. see him and uh, spending a ton of time you know, in DC and in Miami and just experiencing these places, um, you know, experiencing different players and interacting with different reporters who you can just, you automatically relate to them because you're doing something you love. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like any job, but you know, everyone is just, uh, just a, just a nerd for this stuff. So, um, I would just say all of that really, I know a lot of that's kind of general stuff, but it really is true. We're, we're fortunate to be able to do this. Sure. All right. I got a question. So it went, can you think of a time where, and of course I played in New York, so you know how crazy those guys are, those writers up there. Have you ever been <laughs> like, there's a question you want to ask and you know everybody's thinking it and you're thinking okay how do i ask this to where this guy actually gives me an answer and then one of those guys ask it and you're like oh i can't believe he asked it that way <laughs> you know I mean, you, can you ever think of a time where you're just you know because you guys are all there after a game mm-hmm. um and you know they're if it's new york you're 30 deep 20 deep you know if it's here it's maybe five deep but can you ever think of a time where there's just been a question that you're just like oh and it kind of even bothered you that it was asked or do you do you just feel is that kind of stuff just not even i mean because there's always a question that you know you can ask it a bunch of different ways you can ask it to get a reaction or you can ask it in a better way to not to try to you know make it a little softer or whatever i mean and then the guy next to you just asking you're like oh man i can't believe he just uh, he just says it that way no i mean that's a big like especially when i first got here like i would listen to different press conferences not just ours but Mm -hmm. across different sports too and just kind of listen at how things are framed yeah and just the best way you know like no, I don't think anyone's saying, man, you were you were just awful today. You know? <laughs> right. like that, that was terrible. Um, no one's saying that. Um, but I think about Jim Gray. He gets paid to be a jerk, right? He mm-hmm. asked the most jerky – he asked him the wrong way, and he does it just – he he knows he's going in there. He's trying to get a reaction. And everybody's like, I don't want to talk to that weasel, you know, you know that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've seen some guys, that's their stick. I guess that's the way they do it. But uh, I remember in New York, I mean, there was plenty of times where there were guys I'm like you know what I'm looking at you but I'm not answering anything that you asked me I'll, I'll just go yeah no okay what, what did you want to know yeah. you know be just because I knew that no matter what I said he was going to try to figure out a way to to write whatever he wanted to write and that had nothing to do with what I said I I you know I totally get it just from that sense just because you know it is so different down here in the way we cover a team and i'm not saying that's good or bad that's just the reality of how Mm -hmm. things are done new york is just a totally different market from about everywhere else you know philly has their thing um (laughs) atlanta has theirs and nicely yeah (laughs) (laughs) we we commonly bash philly on this program yeah yeah well (laughs) as well as other major league towns yeah pretty much everywhere but yeah 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 we we bash philly a little bit when kevin was on here yeah (laughs) Yeah. 
did it with, with the Philly guy here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's a totally different dynamic. And um, I'm not saying it's good or bad because somebody in New York would tell you that their way is the best way. <laughs> I, yep. I don't really agree with that, but I'm also not from there. I, in case you could tell their from mayor, my, Their mayor would say Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you could, you governor. Didn't, you didn't pick up Gabe's thick Boston accent <laughs> yeah, there. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, one, no one's ever wondered where. He's from where, the deep yeah. south. You fit, in, right, you fit in well with the accents on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We're, uh, no one's ever asked me where I'm from in New Jersey. <laughs> now, so how often, how often do you go to the other locker room and try to get a try to get a quote from the other team, or is that usually pre game? Well, uh, I actually do that. I used to do that a good bit on the road again before the pandemic. Um, I had, and I've told Ricky this a few times. One of the best interviews I've ever had was Bryce Harper, and it was just mm. me and him. Cool. And I got him. Uh, it was it was actually the opening series after he'd signed with the Phillies. And uh, that was a very rough series for the Braves. I got him, mm-hmm. I think, that before that second game, I want to say it was. But he was great. He'd actually – he was just sitting there. He was, like, playing his Xbox. He had, like, a TV set up in his uh, <laughs> set up in his locker. He was just – I just probably like, hey, man, you get a minute. And uh, he talked about Freddie because, obviously, those two are buddies. Mm-hmm. And he was really good. Um, and, you know, when I was – one of the coolest experiences I've had was covering the All-Star game in 18. Mm-hmm. Um so that was the DC DC. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really cool. And I got, uh, Yelich was one of the best interviews I've ever had there. And he was, he was really good. He was just really insightful. Um, I got DeGrom there and, you know, you mentioned the New York thing. So rumors were flying about him possibly getting traded then. Mm. And it was just a mess. And he had just gotten done talking with the whole group. Everyone's on him about trade rumors. And I think his agent had issued some statement that day and it was just a madhouse. He was standing there by himself and I approached him and we kind of got to talking and I want to talk to him about the NL East and the Braves and everything and he was really short at first and I think after like a couple of questions he realized yeah that this guy's not this guy's not trying to pull anything on me I I can you know he's not interested in my in trades or anything like that and so so that was really one of I guess that was three that was one of my earliest experiences just as far as and the Braves have had some guys who've played in New York who you can tell maybe it's a little bit different Mm -hmm. I think I guess and and obviously you can speak to this much better than Ricky or I could but it does seem like for some guys maybe that New York experience changes them and makes them maybe a little bit more uh, withheld um, when doing interviews. So. Well, honestly, I mean, we had just as guys, well, I, let me how I put this. We had guys that were, had the same agenda here in Atlanta that they did in New York. There was just not as many of them. Yeah. There might have been one guy here, but there was might five or six there that that kind of approached it that same way. So, now, I mean, we had, we had meetings from the Players Association, and, I mean, that were pretty standard, like, here's how you talk to the media. Here's what you say so you don't get yourself in trouble, that kind of stuff. But it's interesting that – in that world, you are a little leery because you have nothing to gain from it, you know, everything to lose kind of thing. And so, you know, they just talk to you about that, being careful with your words and what you're, you know, sticking with baseball and, you know, just things that you would normally do, I think, in a conversation, but not a conversation in the locker room, you know, yeah. like with your buddy, that kind of thing. You know, you're, you're, you got to keep it professional. Right. To some degree, you got to talk about things and mm-hmm. but yet make it make it um, 
you know, you don't want to be boring. You know, you want to give, give them, they're trying to do a job. I think that's one thing that always helped me to understand that you're trying to do a job, right? I have a job to do, but I, part of my job is to help, help you connect with the fans and understand. And so I think when you think on that professional level, it really helps. Yeah. It really helps that. And then, um, you know, and you know, keep in mind that if you can't say nothing good, don't say anything at all, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. You, that's a that's a good adage when you're talking with the media and when you're talking to people, and it's, it makes me appreciate um, guys like. Well, I always thought Chipper during, especially in the later part of his career, listening to him in post game press conferences or whatever, he was always just so thoughtful and would give good quote i mean i'm not a writer so i don't know but to me i always felt like i wasn't just listening to cliched answers i felt like i was listening to thoughtful answers that actually were interesting and things that i wanted to hear and i feel like i feel like we've watched a little bit of that with freddie too as he's gotten Mm -hmm. kind of taking that position as the the leader of the clubhouse i feel like he's he's kind of grown into that role am i am i wrong that's just something i wonder sometimes because i'm so close to it if i'm biased is do you think i'm right in that that freddie has kind of evolved into that guy yeah so i mean obviously i wasn't here when freddie was younger i was just you know a fan following the team um but you can definitely even in the time that i've been here you can you know you can just see a difference just in he really owns this it's like Mm -hmm. you know I mean, he's not obviously he's not arrogant about it, but it's a you know this is this is my team. You know, I'm the mm-hmm. kind of the team spokes, just like Chipper yeah. was. And I think you know even a, you know when I was you know I'm 12 years old and I'm staying up to watch their you know eight to four win over the Marlins on a Tuesday night. And after the game, you know you want to hear what Chipper has to say, even if Chipper necessarily didn't do that much, right. just because mm-hmm. he's the guy. You know when you're right. a, you know when you're a fan, you want to hear from Freddie, and that's no offense to you know some of the other guys, but you do want to hear just from, um, and I'm sure, obviously, with the starters in the 90s, um, I think it was, you know, obvious who, who people, you know, really wanted to just hear their thoughts on where the team is and everything. And I, it's really valuable. I think that um, the the way that we, the relationship between media and players is different now. And really, the way that players can kind of use the media is different now because of social media. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I guess back in the day it was more of, you know, to reach the fans, they had to use the media. And now they can go on Instagram Live mm-hmm. and have chats with people and they can tweet their thoughts on, you know, we've seen how much you brought up Bauer. We've seen how much Bauer uses Twitter and Cindergard uh, uses Twitter a lot. I mean, DeGrom doesn't even have one, but uh, I guess his play speaks for itself. Well, you there. know, to that point, what's even interesting is that now you have a – you have um, – kind of a I don't know if it's a counter but you can you can actually put what the reporter says up against what you say mm-hmm. right back then we didn't have a choice if somebody misquoted us or said something about what we said we had no no way to to say that's not what I said but now with Twitter you can say well you know here's the interview that I, I did and this is what I said and this is what was printed so I I guess it gives the guys probably a lot of uh, makes them feel a little bit more emboldened to be able to, to talk more because they know they always have a direct connection mm-hmm. with the fans where we didn't have that opportunity. So I think that's an interesting dynamic. Um, that's one positive thing, I think, from from all that we see from Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. It got me a job, but some would argue that's not a positive <laughs> either here or there. Well, let's talk about the current team because I really want to know, yeah. get you some of your thoughts on what's going on with this team because clearly what we just came out of with the Dodger series which was phenomenal we have not seen that team all year and I want to know where they've been hiding 
and I want to know what you think about that and what what do you think was different about stepping up and and facing uh, Bauer and facing um, these guys why why we Kershaw. played so well yeah Kershaw we did two of the best pitchers in the league and and we we played them as good as anybody what's your thoughts on that yeah I mean that is really impressive because coming in Kershaw hadn't taken a loss to the Braves in the regular season and we saw what Bauer did to him in that wild card game last mm-hmm. year so for this offense which several guys are in the lineup who were not in that lineup that faced Kershaw in October or Bauer for that matter mm. um, for them to to step up like they did I don't think I know that a lot of people have talked about this the inner the aura around the team has been a little different I, I think that a lot of people have kind of have kind of been wondering you know it's just something kind of feels off right here or whatever but um, I don't think anyone's ever questioned the team's heart and I, I think that you know I know that's kind of corny but when you look at kind of what they how the way they responded because this thing could have gone south after that friday night game sure you have that fifth inning that they had this you know the the weekend you're facing kershaw you're facing bauer that's what's in front of you the season is already kind of going as it has been going which is not good and uh they responded that way i mean you know i come away from that thinking you know i I was kind of skeptical of how this weekend would go for them you know because the dodgers had kind of a little like they might have been starting to wake up a little bit you know they, they had that big inning against the cardinals and and for the Braves to come out and do what they did, I just, uh, you know, you can speak to this as a play. I'm sure there's been plenty of series you can remember, or, or maybe just some of us in the media overvalue this. But when you have a series like that under those circumstances against the team that is the measuring stick, the team that, you know, broke your heart last October, you can come out, you've been struggling, and you find success like that, that has to be um, – I would think that would be pretty big for them just moving forward with that in their back pocket. It can be. Timing is important because if it happens April 12th, yeah. you know, it's not a big deal. Um, if it happens August 12th, yeah, I think the later on it gets in the season and the more you're trying to find your way, it can it can be a – um, a, bit, a really igniter. I think about when we went out and played Arizona. Dansby made some big defensive plays, and we came out of the end up sweeping the Diamondbacks. And you're talking about uh, late 18. Yeah, late yeah. 18, yeah. and it just really turned that season around. That was, you know, it was later on in the year, I believe. It was after the All Star break, if I'm not mistaken. It was. And, it was 2018. That was the series where they really, if you look at a series that I think to really solidified like they're going to win this division, mm-hmm. that would be that Diamondbacks. Yeah, series. coming off the heels of being swept by the yeah. eventual champs that's in the right. Red Sox here That's right. Yeah, that was a um, – yeah, that Red Sox really took the wind out of us and for us to kind of bounce back there in Arizona. So I think timing has something to do with it. I think if you're, if you're finding a team – you talked about the Dodgers kind of waking up a little bit. Sometimes it takes that. Sometimes you need, uh, okay, well, my, my left fielder is not here. My my starting pitcher is not here. My catcher is not here. Uh, who are we? How are we going to do this without them? And so you're just kind of looking for that spark. And all of a sudden you get a, a couple young guys. You get Heredia and you get uh, Adrianza. These guys all of a sudden, well, these guys are stepping up day in and day out. They're pretty good. Well, I guess we can probably pretty much do this too. You know, we got some pitchers that are stepping up. We got green back. We're, you know, so I think some of that is, kind of a group confidence that 
when everybody's looking around for who's going to lead and who's going to step in and fill these big shoes, and then all of a sudden you do it against the Dodgers, it can kind of rally everybody. It can kind of give you that confidence that maybe, like you said, the aura wasn't really there. Well, then all of a sudden you get a game like that in, in June, July, August that says, well, yeah, we are still pretty good. I think, you know, then everybody starts to build on that. But you have to have, and Ricky and I have talked about this, you have to have multifacets to this game to be successful. You gotta have a solid bullpen. You gotta have a solid staff. You gotta have a solid defense. Your guys, the guys are supposed to hit, they have to hit. Well, we know by watching this team, there's not been those facets have all come together at any one time. The bullpen's been really bad, then the bullpen's been okay. Starting pitching's been really good, then starting pitch's been bad. The defense has been okay, but then the hitting's been terrible. So, you know, it's all not been at the same time, but it's all been kind of a mixture. And you got to get some of those pieces to start working themselves out. And with a game like the Dodgers, they just did two out of three. And they should have, they could have won three games. You know, if you think about what uh, Anderson was doing in the first game and then, you know, um, Bullpen comes in and just has a horrible inning. But the whole series was pretty good except for that last part of the game and and on Friday night, right? Yeah. So so you started to see something that like, wow, this is not the team that I've seen day in and day out. You never know what that's going to do, especially at this time of the year and a little bit later. But – um, so that's kind of my take on it, but I think that I think that we know that they're still talented. It's just that they haven't put all those pieces together night in and night out. So, Gabe, uh, last question for me. Again, going with the current team uh, now, Shane Green's back. The bullpen, at least, and this can always change in a heartbeat, but at least to me right now, it starts. To, it's starting to look like it's kind of taking pretty good shape. You know, there's maybe a couple some room for improvement there, but for the most part, I'm not too worried about that. Where do you think, uh, as we get a little closer to the trade deadline and all of that, assuming the Braves keep this this Dodger series propels them and things kind of start going in the right direction, where do you think the the team needs to look to to most improve itself to to make it back to where we where we want to be and where we were the last couple of years? Yeah, so it's good that, you know, they have everybody in their bullpen now, or their core guys, I should say. You know, you, you have your kind of man, you have your uh, Mart- Martin is back and healthy. I mean, that was a big deal when he was gone, sure. obviously. Right. Uh, Green is back. You have Will Smith. You have Mentor and Matzek. And, though, you know, those guys, and then Luke is having a nice season. So you, you have guys there that you're looking at. You're going to get now, what do we have, six, five weeks until the trade deadline, so thereabouts. So you have plenty of time to evaluate this group uh, if everyone stays healthy and you can see what you have. And, I mean, I'm sure, you know, every single contender or aspiring contender is always looking for relief help. So you can just go ahead and say it doesn't matter how good your bullpen is, you're always looking for relief help. So that's going to be on the table. Um, also, offensively, uh, you know, there's there's going to be some guys out there. I think that you know maybe could make sense for them to add, but but we'll see how this plays out. I mean, they have some they have some hungry guys here now. Hmm. Heredia and Almonte and Adrianza. I mean, these are guys who you know haven't really had the had a ton of opportunity to play, and there are people who are trying to make the most of it. And they seem, by all accounts, they seem like good dudes who are fitting in the in the clubhouse, and hmm. the teammates like them, and they've said nice things about them. So. You know, that's an option. Um, you know, with those guys, too, a lot of the times you, you, they can perform well for a stretch and maybe maybe fade. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe they won't. Maybe, you know, things really work out here. But you just want to keep your options open. And I think it's good that this team, you know, 
all things considered, you know, you're a game under 500. I think we can say just so much has gone wrong from them from a bunch of different angles. They're they're right there. They're right in the mix. And the NL East thing's going to be big because you look at the you look at the NL wild card race and those teams out west. I mean, there's a real chance there's just three playoff teams out there. Mm, yeah. And if that's the case, you have to win your division. So um, the Mets they've dealt with their own injuries. They have not run away with this thing. Um, if you just look at the Phillies roster construction, I just I think that the Braves and the Mets are the two, two most talented teams in the division. So you're looking at this now, you're like, okay, well, the Mets did not slam the door when they had the chance. So the Braves are still hanging around. So we'll, I think that this is going to be such an interesting trade deadline for them. And again, we have a long way to go to see where this team is. But even if they're still just hovering around 500 at the trade deadline, which mm-hmm. obviously they hope is not the case, they hope they're far above it at that point. But even if that, even if that is, there's going to be some interesting decisions they have to make. And, um, so so let's talk about this pitching staff. Well, we've talked about the bullpen, but when's Zanoa going to come back? You mean you can't pitch with the hand, the broken fingers are on his left hand, so why can't he be pitching with that? That's number one. Number two, what's the deal with Soroka? Where's Soroka? Because Snick came out said he was done for the rest of the year, and then they said, well, wait a minute, we're not sure. Has there been any change in that? Because so, those two guys could definitely help us. Yeah, so um – I think that in an ideal world, both of those guys are, you know, coming back down the stretch for this team. But you can't with Soroka. Um, I think that that's 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 tough. I mean, it, obviously the odds are not in his favor mm. to do that. But um, I, until they officially rule him out, uh, you know, there's always a chance, right? So, and then in did no, you ever get a clear answer on that on why we said yeah he's out and then no he's not out and is he? I mean, did, did was there anything from the surgery that we found out about or? Well, um, Snit actually was not. He he went on national TV and he, he ruled Soroka out prematurely, um, and he apologized and he said I was I was under the impression the agents that, calling up screaming What are you doing? Yeah, he said he called Soroka. He was like, Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he spoke a little early there. Uh, so the Braves are kind of leaving the door open, and I uh, suspect by the time that people are listening to this, there'll be a little more information out oh, okay, on that. Good. So uh, so we'll just kind of. And what about Anoa? Anoa, he was on a roll. Yeah, I mean, we'll just wait and see on on Anoa. Um, I don't have any update there. Obviously, that was just a huge blow, and it's really unfortunate too because, and you know, you can speak to this. It's another thing you can speak to. Obviously, much much more in touch than uh, Ricky and I. But for a young guy who was having such a good season, and he gets frustrated in that moment. Um, I believe he's what 22 years old. He's young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, so 22. So I'll kind of throw this back to you, and just ask, you know, how tough is it, you know, for a guy like that when he's having that level of success, and then he just he just has a tough game, and he mm-hmm. just he punched the bench, and yeah. you know, people people are kind of slamming him for it, and I, I understand where people are coming from, but at the same time, it's just we've all kind of done stupid things when yeah. we get angry when we're young. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're. We uh, we're passionate about what we do. I mean, just like we all would be, and it's a competitive game. And and he wouldn't be out there if he wasn't competitive. And and 
sometimes your emotions get the best of you. But the uh, good thing is I've seen him still throwing, so his arm's not going to – it's not like, you know, Mike's probably had to shut it down more than, you know, and Noah's still been able to throw. It just has to deal with a cast or a splint or whatever, and he'll be able to come back and, and probably not miss a beat outside of, you know, getting some innings in. But, yeah, it's frustrating. And, and then being young, you know it's self-inflicted. It's different to getting your brains beat out you know, because you made a bunch of bad pitches. But when you actually do something to sabotage yourself, it's a little bit, uh, you know, harder to deal with. But he'll be fine. Uh, Obviously very talented. We've enjoyed watching him. He was our best pitcher for the first, what, month and a half or something. And and, uh, hopefully he'll pick right back up where he left off. And because one thing I like about him is that I've seen progress from you know last year to this year and you know even you know throughout spring training so that's a good sign you know mm-hmm. long term he may need another pitch uh if he's going to be a starter uh maybe something a little slower maybe a change up or something or a split but um i i, I you know like you said being healthy is a big part of the deal there's been many many guys i've watched over the years teammates other teams who had all the talent in the world but they couldn't stay healthy and um you just never know everybody's body i mean look what's happened to ender the last few years he just keeps pulling a hamstring you know and he's struggling he hasn't been able to stay on the field and it's affected his game he's not he's lost his position so it's just that's just part of being a professional you got to find ways to to keep yourself on the field Uh, there's plenty of times where i cut my cast off and i kept playing Mm -hmm. and uh, just because i didn't want to lose my spot now nowadays they don't let you do that kind of stuff but uh that was kind of <laughs> the way it was back in the day you didn't want to be wally pipped right y'all know right. who that is right? oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that happens a lot yeah i mean in uh and Noah was uh, you know he was working on that changeup before he got mm-hmm. hurt you know we know how good that slider can be sure and it's just yeah i mean it's unfortunate from a player development standpoint that he that he's you know because he that was his that was he he, he kept the spot i mean that was going to be his spot unless you know unless something like this happened mm-hmm. basically so and he was doing i mean that's what they need that the one thing that I, I just i feel like i say it in every interview i ever do about this team but the way that they have managed to maximize people and and get kind of unheralded contributors um if that's a a guy like matt joyce who's you know been on multiple teams who comes through if that's charlie culberson who everyone here loved obviously Mm -hmm. um and he had that he had a really great year his first year here and if it's even uh hechevaria uh billy hamilton had some moments i mean they they have just had so many different guys and not to put noah's obviously not in their category because he was a young guy but he was never he was not soroka he was not anderson he was not free he was not one of these like top level um, young guys. He was just he was you know they got him in the Jaime Garcia trade with Minnesota, and he was you know he was just kind of uh, on the outside of that conversation. And so it's really cool to see a guy like that who was never really a heralded prospect just come mm-hmm. in and pitch the way he does. So so hopefully he can pick it right back up when he gets back. Yeah, I love that. Well, I I will tie this all together by saying I think Almonte is going to contribute because his walk up music features prominently the saxophone. And nice. so, so I, I think that means that's. A, I'm just gonna take that as a good omen. What so. song is that? Any place? I believe it's uh, "Thief" by OK, or it might be "OK" by Thief. I'm showing my old man age that I at least know the two. At least names. you didn't pull a Kenny G uh, or something. <clears throat> no, no, no. I, if he wants to do that, that's fine. That's fine. If any, if any Braves players are listening to this, please, one of you walk up to Careless Whisper. There you go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> all right. Well, Gabe, thank you so much for coming all the way down here on a. Uh, not an off day, but an away game. And uh, 
appreciate you coming down and taking the time. Absolutely. You guys do great work. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Our thanks again to Gabe Burns for joining us here on Behind the Braves. Greg, uh, we got some some exciting stuff coming up that uh, you're well you're announcing basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, I'm real excited to announce two things. Number one, getting ready to go on sale with Brave for Day, July 8th here at the ballpark. Um, I get to do these really cool events called Brave for Day where we spend four hours together. First two hours are on the field. You got a Braves jersey on. You got a bat. Uh, have some alumni out there taking you through some stations, and you get to hit live on the field. Uh, then we go into the Truist Club, have a little lunch, Q&A, autographs, pictures, and then uh, you get to go on a tour of the ballpark. So it's just um, a wonderful time. I've been doing these now for 10 years, and uh, that's getting ready to go on sale. So check out, check out uh, braves.com slash brave for day, or you can go to braves.com slash alumni, and it's on there. The second thing is um, we are adding a fantasy camp in November. Awesome. So, yeah, we lost one this year because of COVID back in January. So the one in January of 2022 is sold out. So I've gotten such a um, a response from people thinking, you know, can I get in? I, I'm, I, so we're opening up another, another spot, and that's going to be November 2nd through the 7th, and that's getting ready to go on sale. And you can go to braves.com slash fantasy camp. It's in Northport, same place. We will have a little bit different alumni, so we're trying to spread the love out. We'll have some some different alumni, but uh, be the same format. We'll be playing from Tuesday to Sunday, having a great time. Hopefully, you can come down there and join us. We'll do a podcast. Can't wait. We have just a great time of uh, baseball, kangaroo court, uh, going out to dinner at night, after parties out by the um, in the patio area and um just a really good time so it'll be the same format but we're just doing one in november which i heard it's beautiful down in northport in november first week in november right after we win the world series we can all go down there to celebrate and then we'll come back and do another one uh, january 18th through the 23rd but like i said 2022 is sold out so if you really want to come to fantasy camp you've never been come check out the one in november that'll be going on sale braves.com slash fantasy camp that's really really exciting man and i you know when i my first fantasy camp experience you if you're a long time behind the braves listener you you've heard me or us talk about it a lot but uh i I just had so much fun and i look forward to coming down there uh, as long as you'll you'll uh, let me come down and hang out with y'all i've had such a blast it's such a good time and uh the fact that it's now grown uh in popularity to the point that you can do two of these in a year i think is just outstanding and it and honestly hey that's a testament to how great of an event it is that uh that there's enough demand for mm-hmm. it to have a st- to have a second one that's that's going to be great and uh and you know what it, it november what better time to to head on down to florida for almost a week right yeah. i mean the keep the just 
to enjoy the weather, if nothing else. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but Keep yeah. baseball going, Keep right? Keep baseball After going. the World Series. That's right. Perfect timing. So, oh, awesome. Well, make sure you go on uh, Braves.com. Check all that out. And, uh, yeah, if you're interested, send all, send send Harry McMichael an email. That's right. He'll, he'll be happy, happy be, to talk to you about that's it. That's right. All right. Well, for <laughs> thanks again to Gabe for joining us. Uh, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week on Behind the Braves. Hey, Braves country, we just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.